0: Hey, um, can we do something before I start preaching? So we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. If you've got your Bible at home or um, here, just you can start finding that, Philippians chapter 2. But as we were singing that last song, um, hey, good worship. That was awesome. I don't know if you know this or not, but my, that's one of my favorite hymns. My Jesus, I Love Thee. And I, I don't know if you know this, but it was written by a 16-year-old. Did you know that? A 16-year-old, the, the day he got home from youth camp, he went in his room and wrote that hymn. Isn't that funny how we don't usually associate hymns with teenagers? <laughs> but a teenager wrote that hymn. And I really feel like I need to take a moment and I need to ask you to close your eyes for a second. And I want you to think about this. I want you to think about how God said that to be in the kingdom, we have to become like children. Now, I'm talking to mostly a room full of adults and probably mostly adults that are watching right now, some students as well. But if you're an adult, can I challenge you for just a moment to tell God, I want to love you like I did then. I want to return to my first love. I want to love you like a 16-year-old boy would, when he comes home from camp, and he can't even say hey to his parents. He's got to get in his room. He's got to spend time with Jesus. He's got to write down these words. He's got to express the love of God. And listen, if you're here and you love Jesus and you've loved him since you were a child, then I can guarantee you a couple things are true right now. One, he doesn't love you less now than he did then. He doesn't love you more now than he did, and his love is steadfast. But here's what I know. Our love tends to go in, out, up, down. Have you noticed this? And what I want you to hear me say before we even begin to talk about the word is that that's, that might be the normal human experience, but you don't, that's not the normal Christian experience. The normal Christian experience is glory to glory. And that God takes us to deeper and deeper places in him, and he inflames that passion. God is, through the Holy Spirit, throwing gas on the fire, right? And so I just want to pray for you before we even take another step forward. If you're here and you're like, you know what, that resonates with me because there was a day when my passion was burning brightly, and today it doesn't. So before we even look at the word, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. Can we pray right now? Just Don't be ashamed. Just raise it high. We're going to pray right now, right? That God would fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit, that your passion for him would blaze like it's never blazed before, even at home. if, if Put your hand up just as a shine, sign to God. I won't see it, but put your hand up, right? So Father, right now, in your name, Jesus, I just release the power of the Holy Spirit into these hearts. I mean, quite literally, God, everything we're going to talk about from this point forward is going to feel like condemnation if we don't think we're loving you enough. And that's not your plan. Your plan is to, man, you lavish love on us. And it is like gas on our hearts. And I just pray that you would ignite the passion in us, God, that maybe we're sitting here thinking, man, I remember when. Take us back to that place. Take us back to that first love, God, where it was You were all that we thought about, all that we wanted, all that we desired. Like, balance was out the window. It was just me and you, and it's all I wanted, God. Take us to that place, and then lead us in that passion through what we're walking through now. Because that's the passion that will change the world. I thank you, God, that you have loved us with an everlasting love. It's never changed. Never changed. Now, if, if you had your hand up, just take a deep breath. Just breathe in the love of God. He is crazy about you, right? He's crazy about you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Take a, take a deep breath. Hold it the entire time I'm preaching. Here we go. Okay, Philippians chapter 2. Um, ha, let me ask you a couple questions. Have you ever, you know, we're doing this remix series. I think, and I'm just trying to go like week by week and just kind of listen to the Lord. I think this might be the last remix message, okay? So we've been spending the last, this is week 10, the last nine messages have been on this remix. We've been talking about like, you know, when, when two things come together, right? So have you ever been in a position where, where you brought two things together? Um, I'm thinking about, like, maybe you were part of a business and your business merged with another business. Um, this doesn't happen when you're young. I mean, I know when, when like, you know, 20-year-olds get married, two become one. But how about, like, when you're in later stages of life and you become one? That's, a, that's, that's the kind of stuff I'm thinking of, right? Because if you're later in life and you get married, um, one house becomes two, right? One car becomes two. Five TVs become ten, right? (laughs) Like you certainly realize this mixing, this coming together, this is not sustainable. Like we can't, we can't, we can't make this work. And so what happens is you you either have a big garage sale or you spend a lot of money on storage, right? I mean, storage is a a, a multi-billion-dollar industry in our country right now. So what you start to do is you start to begin to decide what will we keep and what we get rid of, right? And I don't know how that works out, but I don't know if you like, you know, one, two, three, four, four, let's play thumb war and whoever wins, we keep your couch and we get rid of your couch. I don't know how that works. Maybe like the whichever car is in better shape, we keep that one. But you definitely start to pare down. You start to get rid of things. So as you come together. You have to get rid of some things so that the remix can actually take place. And so this morning, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about, like, how we need to get rid of some things so that we can be, and this is the phrase I made up, fully full. That's a fun one to say, isn't it? Just say fully full. Like, we want to be fully full of God. And so we've got to get rid of some things if we're going to be fully full of God. And the goal of the remix is not to keep everything, but to keep the main thing. You with me? Okay? So, um, let me just give you this disclosure. We're not going to like this message. And here's why. Everybody, somebody ask me why. Because we are Americans. And because we're Americans, we're not going to like this message. Because here's two things that every American loves, their stuff and their right to have it. So we're not going to like this message. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's okay if you don't like this message. I'm preaching it. I'm not sure that I even like it. But it's in the Bible, so we're going to talk about it. Any message, even from God's word, that challenges those two loves, stuff and the right to have it, is never going to feel good. Okay? So let's just dispel the myth right up front that when you come to church, you should love everything that happens. Because when we open the Bible and read it, sometimes It's hard, and this is one of those passages that's going to challenge us. So um, I'm going to ask you to just kind of lean in. Don't tune out, all right? All of us love the promise of John 10.10, don't we, that he comes to give us life and life to the full. We love that. We don't necessarily love the big idea that's going to jump out of Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. Here's your big idea, okay? We can't live fully for God. If we're living full of ourselves. We can't live fully for God if we're living full of ourselves. Now, I need your help. And even y'all at home, play along, okay? Just, it'll be, it'll be fun. I need you to prove this point before we go to the Word. So, on the count of three, I'm going to ask everybody in here and everybody that's at home. I feel like a game show host. You know, if you're playing along at home, right, um, I'm going to ask you on the count of three just to take a deep breath and hold it. Okay, are you ready? Some of y'all right now, if you're like me, you're already trying to take some deep breaths to get ready for the deep breath, okay? But I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, everybody's going to take a deep breath and hold it. Do not let the breath out, okay? I won't make you hold it forever, but just, are we ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Just hold it. Hold it. Just a little bit longer. Just a little bit longer. Hold it. Now, while you're holding that breath, take another big, deep breath. That was hard to do, wasn't it? It's hard to take another deep breath when you've already taken a deep breath and haven't gotten rid of the breath that you took before you took the deep breath. You can't. The only way to take a deep breath is to what? Exhale the breath you already took. Listen, when I coach cross country, what we'll now call the dark years. <laughs> yeah, can I get an in from cross country runners? I would teach them all the time like, you know so much of our breath did you know, so much of our breath is so shallow, we breathe so shallow. And so really what, they'll, what, what you'll learn when you, when you study the way that we process oxygen is we only use like the top 30 percent of our lungs because our breathing is so shallow, and so all the toxins are in the bottom 70 percent. And the only way to get all of that out is every now and then just to go huh. <sighs> Which I'm I'm not recommending in a crowded room, but you know. So my teams would always you'd hear them running, because you would hear them running, like they would be running, breathing, and also you'd hear, huh, you could hear them all, just trying to get rid of that, just get that bad stuff out, so you can get more in. The point here is, we can't live fully for God if we're living full of ourselves. We have to empty ourselves so we have space for God. It's the way that we're created. John 3.30 John 3, says this. John the Baptist said, he, Jesus, must become greater and I must become less. And what we're going to see in Philippians 2 is that the fullness of the gospel is only seen when we're willing to empty ourselves. Now, we're going to read Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. Um, and then we're going to talk about three plugs. Everybody say plugs. Three plugs. So how many of you um, had an old bathtub? Like an old bathtub, and so you'd have to put um, like that rubber thing in the drain, and it had like the chain that came up and it got on. Because if you try to pull the chain with your toe, it's just a little game you could play. Um, And you put that plug in there and it would keep all the water in. And when you were done with the bath, which never made sense to me because you're in dirty water, but whatever, when you're done with the bath, you would like pull the plug and all the water would be like, (laughs) unless you had hair and then it wouldn't go out and you have to reach in to get the hair out anyway. Sorry, it's just the way my mind works. So, today we're going to talk about three plugs. Three plugs that you and I have got to pull on ourselves if we're going to be full of God. So, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Let's, let's read it. And that was the longest intro ever, and I need to get going faster. Here we go. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, those are all good things, right? Yes? Y'all are looking in the Bible like, that's not what it says. Those are all good things. Verse 2, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing. Everybody say nothing. nothing. I, this side was all over that, by the way. This side's like, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even Death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. A couple things to point out before we jump into the first plug. He uses the word, he says, if, if you have these things, if you have comfort, if you have common sharing, and, and in the Greek, the if word actually means sense. So he's not saying, hey, like hypothetically, if you have this stuff, what he's saying is, no, since you have these things, those, those things that I said, aren't those good things? And, and y'all were like, yeah, those are good things. And you actually in Christ have them. You have encouragement. You have comfort. You have common sharing. You have tenderness. You have compassion. They had all of those things. And then Paul followed up with, well, then make my joy complete, which means even though they had all that stuff, something was missing, right? And, and listen, I could preach a whole series just on verses three and four. But when they heard this letter for the first time, if they're like us, they heard things like, so do nothing out of selfish ambition. Rather value others above yourselves. Don't look to your own interests, but each of you look to the interests of others. Can you hear them? Like, can you see them hearing that for the first time? And if they're like us, as they heard those words, they're thinking, "Sounds good. How do we do that?" You ever read the Bible and just wonder, "How do we? How do you pull this off?" Like, because we're Americans, right? And we have stuff, and we love our stuff, and we love the right to have this stuff, and I'll get more stuff, and. It's about me. And so as Christians, when we read this, the first thing we think is, like, I don't even know where to begin. Like, when Paul, like, when you say do nothing, do you really mean nothing? And when you say, like, consider others, do you mean all others are just the nice people? Can you hear the, the Philippians? Like they're processing this, aren't they? Are you processing this? Because you should be. And so Paul, because he was the master communicator led by the Holy Spirit, he knew all that. So he says in verse 5, hey, hold up. Let me give you an example. What you should do is you should be like Jesus. Everybody say, duh. Because this side is on it. We've got to help you guys out. Everybody say, duh. There you go. It's like a one-syllable word. You got this, right? It's, it's like we're Christians. We're supposed to look like Christ. The word Christian means like, many Christ. Like, that's who we are. And so for Paul to say in verse 5, look, you're wondering how to pull this off. So let me just tell it to you straight. You should have the same mindset as Jesus. And then he explains in verses 6, 7, and 8, three plugs that Jesus pulled. Jesus pulled. And can I just say the obvious no-brainer stuff? If Jesus had to pull these plugs, who's thinking maybe we do? I I am, right? Like if Jesus needed it, if he did it, I should do it. So let's talk about these, these plugs. Jesus didn't, by the way, pull these plugs because he sinned and had to pull them. But can I just shoot straight with you? All of us, all of us have to pull these plugs because we sin, right? Jesus did it. Because he's coming to save us from sin, we do it because we are often in sin. And these plugs will jack us up. So, you ready? You're like, I was ready ten minutes ago, Paul. Come on. Give me the first plug. The first plug is power. Verse 6. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Um, Some some translations say he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped and held on to. Power, right? I am equal with God. And he said, I'm going to pull the plug on that. Because he's going to actually empty himself. He's going to empty, totally empty himself himself of power, and step into our world. So many people in church fight for power. They fight to keep power. This is what causes church splits, is power. Well, I don't think I like the way you did that. And you're not really expressing your preference. What you're really saying is, well, if I had the power, I would have done it this way. And Jesus pulled the plug on power. The example of Jesus was to pull the plug of power, and we need to as well if we want to be fully empty. And here's the irony. The irony is that when we pull the plug on power and empty ourselves of power, guess what God fills the space with? Power. Check this out. Tons of verses. Write them down. Acts 1.8 you will receive power. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He has given us a spirit of power. 1 Corinthians 6.14, God raised us up in his power. Ephesians 3.20, we love that verse, right? That's that verse where we say, hey, whatever you can ask or imagine, God can do more than that. But the rest of that verse says, according to his power, That works in you. What I want you to see is that when we empty ourselves, when we pull the plug on our power, our power just leaks out in the bottom. Thank you, Jesus. But then God fills that space with his power. The second plug is in verse 7. The second plug is position. Everybody say, it's getting real. It is getting real. Y'all listening? Verse 7 says, rather... So instead of grasping and holding on to power, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Jesus pulled the plug of power, and then he pulled the plug of position, and he took the position of a servant. So this is one of those ideals that we typically give the the head. You all know the, the typical church head nod, the yes nod. Just try, it. just try it with me. Just go, yes, pastor. Just, just try it. Just move your head. Everybody, you got it. If your head works, just move it. Have you ever noticed that this is so easy? Isn't it? Sometimes this is like whenever the pastor looks at you, you do this. You let him know that you're not asleep. Right? You don't know what he said, but you're letting him know, I'm, yes, pastor, I'm with you. I'm with you. What, what was he saying again? It's like students, right? And This is <clears throat> when I was in school. Oh, my gosh. Like, you didn't know if you should make eye contact with a teacher, because if you made eye contact with a teacher, she's probably going to call on you. He's going to call on you. But then I realized when I became a teacher, if you don't make eye contact, I'm calling on you. So you don't really know what to do, right? You want to look engaged, but you kind of don't want to look engaged. And yeah, right? But when we talk about Jesus pulling the plug on position and becoming a servant, you know where this is headed, Right? you know this is the part of the message where I'm going to tell you that you're never more like Jesus than when you serve. And you're going to, mm, that's right, Pastor. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and do it again. That's right, Pastor. That's right. Hey, go full on and be like, amen, brother, do it. Because you want to. I mean, this is like there are certain things in the church that when the pastor says them, we just automatically, it just pulls on our yes, nod, right? Oh that's oh that's good. That's good. Oh we're never more like Jesus when we serve. Mm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Hey, do I have anybody willing to serve? Ooh. Nah, need to pray about that one. Really? You need to pray about whether you want to be like Jesus. Hmm. So I'm just letting you know. That I get the yes nod. We all do it. But think about what you're yesing. Because if it's hard to find people to serve, then it's hard to find people that are trying to look like Jesus. Because he laid down position, he pulled the plug on position. I said, Yeah, I'm God, but I will come in the form of a servant. I will come in the lowest form possible in the place that I'm going. At Mark 10.45, just, just so you know that Jesus came, right? <laughs> I told you it was going to get real. You're doing great, though. Mark 10.45, Jesus came to serve. Galatians 5.13, listen to what it says. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. How many of you like to be free? I love being free, right? But Paul says, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. We use our freedom to serve. 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 and 2. Faithful serving, I'll read it to you so you can see it. Faithful serving is actually what identifies us as followers of Jesus. Here's what Paul wrote. This, then, is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries of God. Now it is required that those who have been, been given a trust must prove faithful. Paul says this, when you look at us and you think of us, here's how you should think of us. The first thing that should come to your mind is, hey, he's the dude that's in most of the Bible. No, the first thing that should come to your mind is, he's a servant of Christ. And not only is he a servant of Christ, but a faithful servant of Christ. Let me just ask you the question, right? Don't nod yes yet. How would people think of you? How would they think of me? Will they think of us as servants of Christ. Matthew 20, verse 26, Jesus actually said, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, you need to become the servant of all. And basically what he said was the pathway to greatness is down. Not up. The pathway to greatness is not to hold on to position, but to pull the plug on it and become a servant of all. So, what do you think happens when we pull the plug of position and empty ourselves? What do you think God does? Any ideas? It's not a true question. Remember when we pull the plug on power, what did he give us? When we pull the plug on position, guess what he gives us? Isn't that crazy? I mean, are you going like, what? This is crazy. But check this out. 1 Peter verse, chapter 5, verse 6. I love, love, love this verse. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So I, I could do a whole preach on that verse, but I'm going to do a mini one. Are you all good still? Parents, you good? Kids aren't squirming too bad? Okay, really quick mini preach. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. So we're here, right? This is us, stick figure Paul, right? And then he, we humble ourselves under his hand. We serve people. We give ourselves fully to him. And in due time, and that Greek phrase due time, do you know what it means? It means you time. It literally means the time that God knows is perfect for you. When he knows that you have humbled yourself under his hand completely, he will flip that thing upside down, hard to do with a microphone, and he will lift you up. You know why he does it? Because he knows when you can handle that. We're fighting for positions that we're not even ready for. And he knows when you're ready for it. And I'll use, a, I'll use an example. Now, I'm going to say a name here, and depending on if you're on Twitter a lot or you know, where you are in Christendom, I don't know how you're going to react to this name, but I, I love to use this example, so I'm going to say the name. The name is Beth Moore. I, I don't know if you love her, hate her. I don't know. I think she's fantastic. But here's what I know about Beth Moore. Beth Moore is probably the most well-known, prolific teacher, uh, especially, definitely fit woman teacher in the church, right? And so God has most definitely done this. Yes, would you agree? And she's, if you've never done a study by her, you should. She's, it's amazing stuff. So she's up here. God has definitely lifted her up in her time. Do you know what she was doing before God did that? Because she's been exalted to platforms where she teaches thousands, tens of thousands of people how to study the Bible. you know what she was doing before she did that? She was teaching people in her house how to study the Bible. She was serving in her church, teaching classes on how to study the Bible. She was doing all that under God's hand, humbled, serving. And when God said, yeah, it's time, he flipped that thing up and raised her. Now, I don't know this for sure. And, Beth, you're probably not going to watch this message. But I'm pretty sure that when God deems that her time being exalted is over and he brings her back down, I've got a feeling that she's going to be teaching people in her house how to read and study the Bible. She's going to be teaching people in her church how to read and study the Bible. She's going to do the same thing because when you've humbled yourself under God's hand, when you have pulled the plug on position, you don't care where you get to do what God told you to do. You just do what God told you to do. For whoever comes and whoever doesn't come doesn't even matter anymore. A church of 50, a church of 5,000 doesn't matter to a pastor who's humbled himself under God's hand and just wants to faithfully deliver the word. It won't matter anymore. And that's what Jesus was modeling. It's like, I could have held on to my power. I really tried to flex there, but it didn't work out. But I let it go. I pulled the plug. And I could have held on to my position, but I'm going to step into the position of a servant. And now we get to plug number three, and it's the worst one. You're like, how can it get worse, right? Like, you just basically told me if I'm not serving, I don't love Jesus. I think this is the part where I'm supposed to backtrack and say that's not really what I meant, but I think that's what the Bible's saying, right? I mean, we got to figure it out. we got to figure out what that looks like in our lives for sure, but there's no way we can follow a servant king and not be serving. Somewhere, somehow, somebody, right? It's just in our DNA. So the third plug, ugh, I almost hate to say this P word. God, don't throw things at me. I'm so glad you all are watching online because you can't, you can't throw things at me. But third word, third pr- plug is, is pride, y'all. Verse 8. Verse 8, we see this in Jesus. It says, and being found in appearance as a man. (laughs) I love the way Paul's writing this, right? He's like, please try to get this, y'all. Jesus, equal with God, has position, lets it go. Jesus, because he's God, has all kinds of power and and he lets that go. And then Paul starts with, and being found in appearance as a man. What he's basically saying is it can't get much worse, y'all. I mean, I know we love ourselves. We think we're all that in a bag of chips, but compared to where Jesus was coming as man, wasn't like the grand prize, right? (laughs) It was. So Paul's like, in being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. And so you could just hear the Philippians going, "I mean, I've heard, I know about this, but like, I hadn't thought about it. Like, wow, he really humbled himself." He, he took on humility. And, and I love how Paul says, even death on a cross. Can I just tell you what that means? That Jesus pulled the plug on pride, and he humbled himself, being found in appearance as a man. And then he humbled himself by being obedient and even to the cross, what Paul's basically saying is there was not one time in Jesus' life and journey, not one time when he looked at God and said this, Yeah, I think I've humbled myself enough. I'm good. I'm good, God. all the way to the cross. When Paul said even death on a cross, what he's saying is there's no place, there's no point along the journey where Jesus drew a line in the sand and said, that's good, God. I don't think I need to do anymore. Nah, man, he pulled the plug on pride. He humbled himself as far as he could possibly go. We were singing that song this morning. Oh, my gosh, I don't even know if I should say this. Oh, I'm really wrestling right now. Ah, love me or hate me, I, don't, I, just, I, can't, I can't not say it. So we sang the song about Jesus wearing the crown, right? I think we, it's something like, yeah, I love you for wearing the thorns on thy brow. And some of y'all were like, I've never used the word thy, but it sounded kind of cool, right? We sing that song, and we, we clap, and we celebrate And it hit me this morning because I knew what I was going to preach. He didn't have to wear a crown of thorns. Why did Jesus wear a crown of thorns? Why did he take on himself what he didn't have to take on himself? Come on, y'all. This isn't a hard question. He did it because he came to what? Serve. Now, here's the part that you're going to hate me on. I ain't wearing no mask. Really? Is that the hill the church is going to die on? I don't have to fill in the blank, whatever it is. Well, I know we don't have to, but we get to serve. We get to follow an example of our king who didn't have to do anything for us, but he did everything for us. He didn't worry about how he looked, what message it sent, because his message was clear. I'm here for you. And and listen, I know mask has become a four-letter word. I get it. But it's about the best example we got right now in our culture. And when we start talking about a remix and coming back together, pick a different issue if you want to, but don't kid yourselves, y'all. There has got to be a place in the remix where we pull the plug on these three things and we say, God, whatever it takes to serve, I'll do it. Whatever it takes to reach people with your gospel, I'll do it. Whatever it takes. And so I'm not saying you better all look the same when we come back. What I'm saying is, is our heart to be like Jesus? Is there a place where we have drawn the line and said, God, I've humbled myself, but I will not humble myself anymore? And I get it because I told you at the beginning, we're Americans, right? If I humble myself too much, I'll just be a doormat and they'll walk all over me. I don't know what to tell you, except you're right. They killed Jesus, but he wasn't a doormat. He was a bridge. And bridges get walked over. Doormats get walked on. From an experience standpoint, there's no difference. You're still having people walk on you, but our example is what helps them know what to walk toward. Thoughts to think of before Megan and Jack redeemed the whole morning with a fantastic song that will make you forget that I said anything about mass, right? Which plug have you allowed to remain in your life? Is it position or power? Is it pride? What I want you to know is that we can't live fully for God if we're living full of ourselves. And the gospel begs us to pull the plugs and empty ourselves the way Jesus did. His example was, and some of the scriptures say it, he emptied himself and then he came to us. We have to empty ourselves. And I want you to know this, that God wants to change that in your life. He wants to fill you. Um, D.L. Moody, great, great preacher, said this, God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. So when we pull the plugs and we allow ourselves to be emptied, the good news is God is like, don't, I, I don't know, It's like he's holding this picture of his spirit. And, like, once we empty ourselves, he's just—he's ready. He's just like, "Mm, okay, there's some room. He just starts to fill us up. I love that, y'all. I love that. And so this morning, as we close with a song, I mean, I want you to be courageous in this, right? I want you to be courageous in the way that you approach God. I want you to say, like, pray dangerous prayers. Like, God, I'm going to pull the plug, and I'm going to trust you to fill me, God, right now. And He will, He will fill you. Would you close your eyes? Would you think for just a moment about power and position and pride? And would you have the courage, whether you're here in the room or you're watching online, would you have the courage to ask God honestly, Father, which plug have I not pulled? Which plug have I pulled and put back in, God? Have I drawn a line anywhere in the sand on my journey with you and said, that's as far as I'm going to go? Because at those points, we've put the plugs back in and we'll never fully look like Jesus, who never drew a line in the sand, went all the way even to death on the cross. I want you to ask him which which plugs you need to pull. And while you're asking God that question, let me address those of you in the house who may never have made a decision to follow Jesus. Man, it gives me so much joy to call you to follow a Savior who emptied himself fully so he could come for you. I mean, there's nothing else I can add to prove to you how much he loves you, how much he wants you. So if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've never made a decision to follow Him as your Lord and as your Savior, I want to invite you this morning to do that. And if that's you, I want you just to raise your hand and say, that's me, I want to follow Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So I'm going to pray and we're going to stand and we're going to sing this song. If you would like prayer this morning, Especially prayer to be full of the power of the Holy Spirit. While Meg and Jack, or Jack are leaving us, leading us, I want you to come to the front. We, we'll pray. I'll put a mask on. I've got anointing oil. We're going to anoint you with oil. And we're going to pray over you that you would be full of the Holy Spirit this morning. So, Father, this is your moment, God. We've preached your Word. We trust you, and now, God, I'm asking you to seal the deal with your presence and with your Spirit. That as we empty ourselves, as we pull these plugs, God, right now, you would fill us with the courage, with the power of the Holy Spirit to know that you are going to fill us full of your presence. That's what we gain when we pull the plugs. We get your presence. In your name, Jesus, amen.
1: to take us a- triumph unfolds, he's never failing, he's never failing.
0: So we're going to close this out. When we, when I say amen, what's going to happen is those of you that are here, we're going to start to make our way out the side door, right? Just kind of one section at a time so we don't all try to squeeze into that little small spot, right? Um, as you're waiting, man, feel free to talk to the people that are around you. Listen, if you're here this morning and you want to be prayed for to receive the fullness and power of the Holy Spirit, we want to do that. This is something that God put on my heart a couple months ago that every time we're in the building, I'm um, to make that appeal. And so if that's something that you would like to be prayed for, I'm going to anoint you with oil. We're going to pray right over here, that spot right there. So as everybody's heading that way, if you need prayer for power, come that way. I'm going to pray for you. Um, I'm so thankful that you were here this morning. Those of you that joined us online, if you're here for the first time, I know there's a comment. There's there's something in the comments right now with a keyword you can text to the number so we can get in touch with you. Again, teachers, listen. Text the keyword teacher to 704-870-4486 because we want to give you some of all that $400 that we're giving away in gift cards. We love you. We appreciate you. Educators in the house, you guys are rock stars, and you're going to have a fantastic year. We believe this is your best year yet, okay? So let's um, let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you that we leave this place, God, full of your presence, full of your courage. God, you are sending us out as lights to shine in the darkness. And I thank you, God, that we don't have to be afraid of how dark it might be because however dark it is, it just enhances the light that we bring into those circumstances. So I pray over this house that this would be a house that shines like stars in a dark world and that it would draw people. Isaiah says, arise and shine. Arise and shine for your light has come and you are going to draw nations to that light. We walk out of here this morning full of that kind of hope because we're pulling the plug on all the stuff that would keep us from receiving that from you. Bless us as we go, God. Use us to point this city and this culture to Jesus in your name. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a fantastic afternoon. We'll see you next Sunday.